Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you joined us to worship this morning, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. My name's Jimmy Cook, one of the worship leaders here at Fellowship Fayetteville, uh, and I'm so happy to be worshiping with you today. Uh, I don't know what your week's been like, what the beginning of your year's been like. Uh, maybe you were here with us last week or you saw online. We're talking through the book of Jonah. And last week we saw that Jonah had a mission from God, a purpose that God had given him. And he ran from God. He ran away from God. And that may be your story this morning. Uh, that may be your story this morning that you have run from God. Uh, whether you've done it outwardly with your actions or uh, you've done it inwardly in your disposition, in your heart, that you feel far from him. But I want you to know that God is always ready for us to return. He's always ready for us to come back. He's always ready for us to come home. So this morning, listen to this, the words of the psalmist from Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I've come into deep waters and the floods engulf me. But I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek the Lord, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy, does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas that all that move in him. Would you stand with me as we worship? We remember that God is faithful, that he's always ready for us to return. Faithfulness to 
singing out the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Hello and good morning. We're glad you're with us this morning. We're glad for anybody who's online. We welcome you. Yes, I'm sorry. Please be seated. Um, first off, we want to um, tell you about two things, and it is time. It is time for you to take care of this. Um, first, we have community group sign up, 
and it's going to be taking place. I know next weekend we have leaders kickoff, and then after that, the week after that, we're going to have community groups starting. So make sure you scan the QR code. I think it's going to be up here in just a minute. Uh, Make sure you scan that or sign up in the foyer or just call the office or talk to somebody that you know. But make sure that you sign up for a community group and also women's ministries. Uh, Women's ministry small groups are going to be starting, um, let's see, February 1st for most of the studies. But um, I think January 18th for one of the studies. But same thing. Scan that QR code. There you go. Those are the dates there too for you. Um, We had a neighbor in the neighborhood that we lived uh, just before this one. His name was Rich Walker, and his wife was Sandra Walker. And we loved the Walkers, and we did life together with them. Uh, Our kids were not driving yet, so they were elementary and just started junior high. And we would hang outside and... uh, just eat together, and I mean, we we buried our parents during that time, and we helped each other build things, and I mean, we just did life together, loved the walkers. He worked for Walmart. Uh, he was transferred, uh, went up north, and we stayed in touch with him, but of course, I don't know if y'all are like this. We didn't stay in touch with him as much as we wanted, um, but he went, we, you know, he went on a hunting trip with him and his son and some other dads and sons. And uh, they had a great time and then went to bed one night and Rich didn't wake up. And we heard about it. And uh, right before the funeral, uh, we, Hank was able to talk. That's my husband, Hank. He was able to talk to his, uh, talk to the pastor. And the pastor said that, uh, that when he got up to where he lived, to that church, he committed himself wholeheartedly to the church. And he said he had committed himself to the Lord when he was in Fayetteville because he had um, seen people live out their faith. Now, when he was there, we... we just did life with him, but we invited him to community group. We invited him to church, and we talked about the Lord with him all the time. Now, this is what was going on in our lives during that time. Our lives were messy, messy, messy. You would have thought that would have been the worst time for us to have anything that, that, to do with another couple. We were in marriage counseling. Our, our, we were not doing well at all. We had just opened a dental office. Stress was this high. Um, Kids, I mean, four kids running crazy all the time. And we were just living life and trusting the Lord along the way. So the whole point of that story is it's, it's just living life with people. And that's what community is. And that's the parish idea that we're we're passing on to you guys. Um, so it's time to sign up for y'all to do community with your, your people, your people around you. Uh, I'm going to uh, let, I'm, I just want to share this one scripture and then, then I'll close with prayer. Hebrews chapter 10. Um, it, the whole chapter there talks about just Jesus. He was the supreme sacrifice. And, uh, you know, it is finished. There's no more. There's no more need. And then in verse 19, it talks about that's the new and living way. And then, then it goes on. The author says, there's three things for us to do. To let us draw near, let us hold fast. And then this is the last one. This is for us, the body. It says, let us stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And this is how we do it. Not forsake the gathering together. In, in church on Sunday morning, that's wonderful. But small groups, getting together and doing life together and encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So 
it's time to sign up for small groups, whatever that looks like for you. And um, so let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for being in our midst and being in our, our lives and being in us. And Father, I pray that you just speak to this body today as um, Clark comes up and teaches from your word and shares um, just how we can come to know you and live with you and share in your obedience and also in, in our struggles and give our lives totally and completely to you, Lord. We thank you for this body and today. And we pray all this in Jesus' powerful and compassionate name. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with us if you're able? This is an older song. The message is still true. That it's all about Jesus. What we do here, what we do in our lives, as we sing, all of it is about Jesus. It's not about us. So let's make this our confession this morning. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made. And it's all about all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you
what your week's been like, what your month's been like, but I don't, if you've carried something in here that comes between you and seeing Jesus, this is an opportunity to just deal with that, to confess it to him. So just take a few seconds privately uh, to confess and then we'll confess corporately. corporately before God and before each other and let's read this prayer together most merciful God we confess that we have sinned against you in thought word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone we have not loved you with our whole heart we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves we are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. This next song, as we sing, it reminds us that God's love is greater than our deepest failures, that he searches the depths of who we are and he loves us anyway. His grace is greater than anything that we could ever do or anything that we've ever done. So let's sing this together as a reminder to one another that we are the children that we are forgiven.
Jesus, we thank you so much that you see us even in the depths, even when we've run from you, even when we have disobeyed you, even when we've fallen to the deepest place that you see us and you love us and you pursue us. As we look at the story of Jonah this morning, give us hope even in the midst of darkness. Give us faith even in the deepest place. We love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Diane Matthews, thank you for sharing that story. And thank you both for being on the front lines all these years of life change here at Fellowship and living our mission and vision. I know you don't want that attention, but I want to celebrate Jesus when he works in and through people in the messy places of life, because that's where he meets us. And we see that this morning as we get to dive back into Jonah. Well, good morning, uh, church family. And it's great to be with you on this second Sunday of the new year, 20. 22, if you still write a few checks here and there like I do, I've had to learn that the last um, 10 days or so. And uh, so we're glad that you've chosen to worship with us. Um, if you haven't been with us um, yet this year or you're brand new uh, with us, I serve as one of the ministry leaders here at Fellowship uh, Fayetteville. My name is Clark and would love to meet you. And so uh, anyway, come, come see me after the service at some point. I'm, I serve back in the community booth at times as well, but have the privilege of getting to serve as our congregational leader here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And um, if you're brand new with us, or again, um, you haven't been with us for a while, just so you know, uh, we have the privilege of taking God's Word each year and walking through books of the Bible together. It's just kind of how we do it here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And so um, during January, we're walking through the book of Jonah. It's an Old Testament narrative, 48 verses. In February, we're going to walk through the book of Ruth together, and then the, most of the rest of the year, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, and then in the book of Ephesians in the fall. And so that's a little bit about where we're going, and we try to let the Word of God just direct and guide us. He, his Spirit uses the Word to form us in the image of Jesus and to help us love one another well. And so we're trying to follow Jesus here and help others see that He's worth uh, following. Today we find ourselves in Jonah chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. You'll find Jonah in the last half of your Old Testament, okay? So there's no shame here if you want to use your table of contents. It's okay. But in uh, Jonah, there's just 48 verses. And so depending on whether you're on page 758 like it is in my Bible, it could just be 758 and 759, just two pages there. And, uh, and so go ahead and, and find that um, in the scriptures there this morning, as we get into literally the great fish this morning, that's where we find Jonah. I've got a question for you, for me this morning, and it's simply this. Have you ever hit rock bottom? Have you ever hit rock bottom? And if you have, how would you describe it? What are the descriptor words or the emotions or uh, the sense in your gut and the uh, the thoughts in your mind that, that when you were there, this is the picture you would paint for someone. Rock bottom. It's different in different seasons of our life. It's different in different circumstances. Some of us, we've hit rock bottom before through a series of bad choices and in rebellion towards God. Uh, for others, life has just happened. And it's not your fault necessarily. It's just a season that you find yourself in, a series of circumstances have happened. Some of us have found it the bottom through a substance addiction. For others, you've been in that moment where you've sat across from your spouse and you've wondered, is this going to work? And is, is reconciliation possible? Because where we're at right now, I've never been before and I don't want to ever be back in this moment. The pain is so deep, it's rock bottom relationally. Some of you have had the debilitating gut punch of losing a child, and it was the bottom for you, a breakup. Uh, if you're a student in here this morning, an academic probation semester, right? That could have been your, one of your rock bottom experiences, financial bankruptcy, foreclosure. Some of you 
maybe found yourself in a place financially where you've actually scraped together loose change to buy food. And you've worried for your next meal, and that's a form of being at rock bottom or a health crisis. Some of you have been at the mercy of medicine, of machines, of medical professionals who are trying to keep your heart beating, your lungs breathing. And for some of you, you have experienced this sense in the last few years that maybe you feel like our nation has hit rock bottom morally. And there's this, this, this idea, this thing hovering, that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And things seem to be getting worse, or spiritually speaking. Some of us have, maybe you've lost any sense that God is present and that he's real and that there's hope for your questions. I know I went through a season in my life where my circumstances around me were put together, but relationally, spiritually with God, when I would read the scriptures, they were just words on a page. It lacked life and vibrance. And it was kind of a spiritual rock bottom experience. And some of you may find yourself as we enter the new year there. Well, today we meet Jonah literally at the rock bottom. It's at the rock bottom of the sea. And as Jonah is sinking in his rebellion, he's not hanging on to the dividends from his latest wheat harvest, right? He's not grabbing the papyrus scrolls of the Torah. He's not trying to make sure he's got his cell phone and his wallet and his gun safe as he sinks. He's empty-handed. He's sinking. His last waking hours were with pagan worshipers who actually feared God more than him. He finds himself over the edge of a ship and into the sea. And literally, the scriptures tell us in Jonah's psalm this morning that he found himself at the roots of the mountains, as bottom as you can get. And it's interesting what comes out of his heart and his mouth as he cries out to God in his distress this morning. But I think it's helpful just a brief review, because I know at least in this service, with the way the weather was a little bit last week, um, there weren't as many people in the room here at the nine o'clock service. And um, for those of you watching online, welcome this morning as well. Um, but just a brief review, Michael shared with us some big ideas about Jonah. Jonah is simply a prophetic, a book on prophetic history told to teach us a lesson through humor and irony, somewhat satirical, okay? Historical, a real person, a real place, a real time, told to tell a story and teach us a lesson. And we leaned into two big ideas here, that God is sovereign and God's compassion is real and it extends to all. And here, uh, the, what we see here this morning is that it's not about the fish, it's about God's compassion, it's about God's sovereignty hovering over and getting into the life, not just of Israel or trying to get into the life of the city of Nineveh, but of Jonah, it becomes very personal for him, and we see that God is sovereign over Jonah, and his compassion extends to Jonah in spite of him running from God. And so we're going to pick it up here in verse 1, Jonah 2.1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, personal, personal God, from the belly of the fish. And I know some of you are thinking, if you're not familiar with the story, well, how did he get in the belly of a fish. Well, he's running from God. God's given him a mission to go to Nineveh and warn them of judgment. God's given them a way out. Israel's supposed to be a light into the nations. He's warning them. Jonah says, no, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I have zero compassion for them. I'm not sure why you want to reach them, Yahweh. And so I'm going to go the other direction. He finds himself on a boat, running by boat, if you will. And then in 115, they pick him up. They hurl him into the sea. The storm stops raging, and then in verse 17 of chapter 1, the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow him up, and it says Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, and if you're new to the story, you're thinking, say what again, a man living inside of a fish multiple days? Well, some have suggested that as he was taken in by the fish, at some point he died, and when he was spit up onto the land, God brought him back to life. Okay, 
Some have said this is just allegory, and while he's a real man in a real place in a real time, this is a story written to teach Israel a lesson, okay? And it's somewhat more parable and allegory. Others have suggested that during this time, this three days and three nights in the belly of this fish, that God supernaturally sustained Jonah's life before the fish spitting back up on the dry land, as we'll see in verse 10. And so Michael had some really good thoughts on this last week. And if you haven't listened to the intro to Jonah, I think it'd be really helpful because I think he gives some great insight. If you haven't listened to that, check it out. Well, we find him here in the belly of the fish, okay? Which I was, at first I was thinking, and he's reflecting on these Psalms and like, what a horrible place for a morning quiet time, right? He's got his cup of gastric fish juices and he's got these Psalms coming to mind as he uh, walks in in distress and reflects on the word of God. Uh, But we don't know for sure exactly when this is, when he's saying these words, be it in real time or sometime after his landing on dry ground. But what we have here is a description of what's going on in Jonah's heart at his bottom. And it's packaged much like a psalm of thanksgiving. You know, in, in, the, in our psalm book, we've got 150 psalms. Some of those are psalms of thanksgiving. And there's a basic structure to these psalms of thanksgiving. And if you look at Jonah's psalm here, you see some of that. In verse 2, you have an introduction. You have a statement of distress, of past distress in verses three to six. You have a cry for help in verse seven. And then in eight and nine, there's this acknowledgement of God. And so we're gonna pick it up here in verse two with the introduction. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. His intro or summary statement, his distress, he's drowning and near death. And Sheol is just simply a term for the place that they believe the dead would go below the ground surface. He's as good as dead in his mind. And in his cry of desperation, the Lord hears him. And I think it's an interesting collision of things that are personal to us as well. In Jonah's running away, God's compassion is still present. And it's in those places where we most often meet the compassion of God. And in some strange way, God hears his prayer in his rebellion. How gracious of him. And then Jonah details the depths, pun intended, that he finds himself in as he sinks. Uh, Verse three, for you called me in, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. And it's interesting, he does note that he doesn't blame the sailors for throwing him over. He actually sees the hand of God in this scene. Uh, The sailors are simply an instrument of God's discipline in Jonah's life. And the descriptive words that, that capture his sinking feeling, you can see this as he tries to hold on to hope that he could be in God's presence again into the deep, the heart of the seas, floods surrounded me, waves and billows passed over me. You can just feel him sinking deeper and deeper. And I would note that it's often at our rock bottom, even if it's due, especially if it's due to rebellion, to our running from God or disobeying his commands, it's, it's often not the benefits that God gives us that we miss. It's his presence. You can feel him longing to be in the temple, which was the place of God's presence for the Hebrew people. He's chasing the presence of God, longing for that moment. The sinking continues in verse five. The water's closed in over him to take his life. The deep surrounding Weeds were wrapped around his head all the way down, verse six, to the roots of the mountains. It's as low as you can go. It's where the mountains begin, even below ground level, below the surface of the sea, the bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. His physical situation is becoming more hopeless as he hits rock bottom. And Michael, I thought it was uh, helpful and instructive for, um, for us. He helped us see that the downward spiral of Jonah's rebellion. In verses 1-3, he went down to Joppa. Um, in 
verse one three, he went down into the ship. In one five, he went down into the inner part. He went down and went to sleep. And here he goes down to the land. He's as far down below sea level as one can get, describing it as a pit. And then there's this cry for help. And he does what any of us would do in that type of situation. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. He cries out to Yahweh. And here's his acknowledgement of God. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. And I think this is where some of the irony, some of the satire begins to set in. And while we appreciate the authenticity of his prayer, it's interesting that he makes this statement when this is the reason God had sent him to Nineveh. Of course, this is true, Jonah. This is why I'm sending you to Nineveh. Those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. He's making the statement We're all running from telling others that this is true and they have hope in Yahweh. But with the voice of thanksgiving, will I sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to you, Lord. Yes, to you, Jonah, but it also belongs to this nation that I've sent you on mission to be a light unto the nations. It's God's heart for the nation of Israel. He notes his Covenant love, the hope of steadfast love here, a word of thankfulness, a promise, and a vow to keep. God rescues him from drowning through the fish. Interesting here, a fish that has actually been more obedient a couple of times over than Jonah at this point in the story. And Jonah does what any of us would do. He's making promises. He's offering sacrifices. He's making vows to change. He prayed the right words, right? Just get me out of this fish. Get me out of this drowning situation. Get me out of here. Get me back into the temple where I can sacrifice. How about you? At your bottom, you make those promises. God, I'll I'll get back into church. God, I'll start serving. God, I won't do that sin again. Just get me out of this situation. I think we can all identify with him at some level here. Just get me out of this. I'll do whatever I need to do. Well-intentioned prayers, but time reveals the sincerity and the motive of one's heart. And we see that here in Jonah. And before we uh, give Jonah, before I give Jonah too hard of a time here, uh, I think it is interesting what comes out of him in the moment of distress that he's going through, what came out of his heart and mind the word of God. Uh, Check this chart out. I've lifted this from Mark Yarbrough's um, book, A Well of a Tale, catchy title, um, on the book of Jonah. And uh, if you want to hear his thoughts on this chapter, (laughs) you can listen to his podcast because he's preaching in Rogers today, by the way. Uh, Dallas Seminary President Mark Yarbrough, who wrote this book. And so I, I didn't think he would mind if I lifted his chart from one page in his book. Is that okay, Fellowship Fayville? Is that fair? Yeah. And so you guys got stuck with me today. Um, But it's good to be with you. And Jonah's words, if they sound familiar to you, there's a reason. You see, um, before this event happened, probably 780, 790 B.C., it's likely that of the 150 Psalms that we have in our psalm book in the Old Testament, 79 of them were written before this date. Okay, which means Jonah had access to these psalms. The psalms were like the songbook or the hymnal of temple worship. And it's likely that he had reflected or memorized some of those words. And what we have here in each one of these verses in his psalm is he's pieced together a prayer from 14 different fragments and words and phrases from Psalms, and these are those references. At least 11 of these 14 were likely written before Jonah's distress moment here. When he found himself in distress, regardless of his motive, what came out of him was the word of God. What comes out of you when you find yourself in distress? I know I've had thoughts that some of you would like the idea of me being your pastor if you knew what came out of my mouth at times when I've been in distress. 
It's not always the very words of God. Jonah knew enough of God's word to patch together his own psalm of thanksgiving. But I want us to look a little bit deeper uh, this morning. And I know we're not in chapters three and four, but in a 48-verse book, it's hard not to let the end or what's coming color a little bit about what's going on in this scene. We've got to let the whole narrative speak into the scene a little bit, as good as his words were, what's in his heart. You see, Jonah, he's began exhibiting characteristics of the nation of Israel herself, her stubbornness. He's somewhat like Nineveh, we'll see, in his short-lived repentance. And he's like us in that sometimes we use the right words with the wrong heart, crying out with no plan or intention to truly repent and turn from and return to the Lord. And it made me think of the words that Samuel had for Saul as he rebuked him in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Saul was given a command by God. Saul opted to not fully obey that command. And Samuel comes to him and says, Saul, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and is in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, Saul, Jonah, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. And God brought that, uh, those words to my mind and I thought, you know, Saul would try to justify and actually paint a picture on why he didn't fully obey. And it feels like Jonah, no pun intended again, is crawfishing a little bit here, okay? There's this, there's this focus on his own salvation and rescue. There's no acknowledgement that what he's done is wrong and there's no clue that he has any kind of compassion or love for the people that God does here. Jesus said it in a different way as he's trying to help his followers understand his lordship. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You see, what God wants for us in the first place, what he wanted for Jonah was just obedience from the heart. And what Jonah is doing is he's He's offering sacrifices, he's, he's making vows, and he's just not owning it, his disobedience. God wanted full obedience. Stop justifying, just obey me, do it from the heart. And some of you find yourself like that this morning in here. You've passed work, this veneer of spirituality where when people just see you on the outside, it kind of looks like you're following, but never fully Obeying God's word, and Jonah never acknowledged his rebellion here in this psalm. He never embraces compassion for the Ninevites in this prayer. You would have hoped that maybe he would have quoted Psalm 51 or Psalm 32, a, a prayer of confession. Yet, at just the smallest turn, and God knew his motive, God was compassionate to Jonah. God was faithful to his compassion, not just to the people of Nineveh, not just to the nation of Israel, but here to a man named Jonah. If you think I'm being too hard on Jonah, I'm gonna let you determine that over these next two weeks. We're gonna learn more about his great follow-through. We're gonna see his attitude, his words, and it could be that we have the right words with the wrong heart. A man just glad to be alive, a man just like us. Well, in these first two chapters, I think um, these phrases capture where we've been. We've seen Jonah running away. We've seen him sinking down. We've seen him crying out. And now we see him landing hard. And isn't that where all rebellion takes us? A crash landing, a hard landing. It's usually when we come to our senses. Verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish and the Fish vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So we meet him on the land, set free from the fish, set free from the drowning, reengaging his mission, and Garland's gonna unpack that for us next week. But I wanna contrast something, and it's instructive for us um, here in Jonah's rebellion. You see, there's another prophet, instead of rebelling, this prophet obeyed when he was 
sinking. And this prophet met us in our distress. He became our distress, actually. He lifted us up from the pit, and while Jonah ran in rebellion, Jesus descended. He went down. He descended into obedience. In Philippians 2, 7 and 8, we get a picture of that. It says that Jesus emptied himself. He descended by taking the form of the servant, of a servant. He descended by being born in the likeness of men. He descended by being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, and then he descends further. It wasn't just any death. It was death on a cross, and it wasn't just death on a cross. On that cross, the scriptures tell us that God made him, it says, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus also went down, 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 and Jesus descended. He sunk into the depths, understanding and meeting us in our hard landing. Matthew 12, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He descended further in his death that he promised would happen. Three days and three nights and his obedience becomes our hope in rebellion. Jesus' obedience is our hope in our rebellion. In his moment of distress on the cross, he even followed up with these words, which we would never question the sincerity of, by the way. On a promise. In his moment of distress, instead of being focused on himself, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, the same heart of compassion that Yahweh had for Nineveh. But then he said, it is finished. And you see, this prophet meets us at our bottom and he becomes our rescue. Is that great news? Church family this morning, Jesus's obedience is our hope when we're at our rock bottom. I want to end a little bit different this morning um, as we uh, stare down the next 50 weeks together, Lord willing, of 2022. And I want to ask you to consider this just as a challenge because it's going to be easy for us to um, just kind of reset. It's a new year. I'm going to come to church this year um, more than once a month like I did last year or more than twice a month. You're going to try to up your church game, if you will. You're going to listen to Diane and get in a small group. And, but I want to encourage you. Okay? I want you to think through someone that you're discipling, someone you're mentoring, or a spiritual next generation in your life right now, be it grandchildren or children in the home. And when you walk out of here today, sometime this week, I want you to share with them, pass on to them some new thing that you've learned today from the scriptures. And I want this community of faith to be a, to be a community of faith that follows through, that obeys the scriptures. It's not just in one, one ear and out the other, just so you can get to lunch and feel good about your checkbox by coming to church today, okay? What are you gonna share? Is it, is it an area of obedience that you need to lean into? Some of us in the room this morning, we need to stop sacrificing and vowing and just obey. Like you actually know a passage of scripture that God's called you to turn to, to repent from this behavior from the heart and no one knows about it, if you would share that with someone that you're investing in and allow them to bring community into your life and help you follow through on that obedience. What words come out of your mouth when you're in distress? Maybe the person you're discipling, your spiritual next generation in your home, maybe that's something you work on together as a follow through from this teaching. And one of my great concerns for myself and for our church is this. Who would we have so much contempt for in our life in 2022 that we would rather die than see them turn from God and receive the good news? Jonah was willing to do that. Then to have the Ninevites turn and hear the good news of God's judgment and rescue of them. Maybe we're the ones that need the mercy 
this morning, if that's us. Let's be a church who resolutely obeys the scriptures this year as we try to make disciples together. Would you pray with me? Father, you've got lessons um, for Israel in Jonah's life. You've got lessons for the Ninevites. Thankfully, your son Jesus obeyed. And in his distress, he leaned in to compassion, obedience to you, Father. It's in his name, it's for his glory that we as a church want to have compassion for others, and we want to trust your good sovereign work in the life of this church. Amen. If you're able, would you stand and sing this with us?
running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reign. I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your to his calling on our lives. I'm so glad that you were here this morning. If you would like to pray with someone, if you're at that place of rock bottom, you can go right through these doors to my left, to your right, and up the stairs, there will be someone who would love to pray with you. If you'd like to take communion, that's available as well. Uh, have a great week, fellowship. You're dismissed.